Hi, this is Dave Olson. I'm the senior leader of Heartland Church located in Ankeny, Iowa. I hope the following message challenges, encourages, and ultimately changes you. Thanks for joining us. I wanted to um, wish everyone a very happy Easter. If you don't know it, today is Easter Sunday in the Orthodox Church. So, happy Easter, everybody. I did not get to be here for the Western Church Easter. I don't know how many of you are familiar with the great schism that happened about a thousand years ago or so between the East and the Western Church. But nonetheless, uh, one body in Christ. And uh, so, I didn't get to be here at our home church for Easter Sunday. I was down in Laredo, Texas. As my wife sent me a video of it snowing back here, and it was like 103 down there, literally, literally, on the border, 103. It was crazy. And uh, so, um, yeah, so I got to, had the privilege of, of preaching uh, a Good Friday service down there, and, uh, and then Sunday morning, first service in Spanish, second service in English, third service in Spanish. That was a little chaotic going back and forth like that, but had a great time. And so it's a church down there, Somebody's of God Church, uh, Emmanuel Church, that about 20 years ago, um, shortly after Pastor Day became the pastor here, his, his uh, buddy down there uh, started a church, and we, they didn't have anybody to support them, anybody to help them launch. And so we took up an offering and, from our church and sewed into them. And so 20 years later, he's like, man, please go back and tell your church, thank you that your seed is producing a harvest of changed lives for the glory of God. And so there's tons of amazing testimonies of people from all kinds of interesting backgrounds and uh, who the grace of God has transformed their lives. So, um, so he wanted me to thank you, and I'm also saying thank you. Thank you for being a kind and generous church. Um, to give to all kinds of different ministries, including my own, and, uh, and to give to the work of God around the globe. Just thank you. I, 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 I'm grateful that even though I'm not here all the time because of my travels, I'm so thankful that this is my home church and that this is my family, and I'm so grateful to be a part of this church. And uh, just thank you for your generosity to sow into the kingdom. Um, so... Happy Easter, and we are going to, um, so if you don't mind, I'm going to continue on a little bit with some of the resurrection theme. I hope you don't think it's a crime that we would talk about the resurrection two weeks out of the year. Like, I think it could even be appropriate if the next Sunday we were to talk about the resurrection. Okay? Okay. Praise God for certain days on the calendar where we highlight something, we hone in on it, we honor what, who God is and what he's done in a specific area. But man, Resurrection Sunday gets to be a resurrection lifestyle for the new covenant believer. This is our privileged position. This is who we are. So um, there's so many passages, scripture I want to look at. I won't be able to get to all of them, I'm sure. Uh, so let me pick one, and then I'll give a few uh, uh, quick little update on a couple of things, and then we'll jump in. Um, let's go to 1 Corinthians 6. 1 Corinthians 6. And uh, this is 
one of my favorite passages. I've mentioned it lately, um, but uh, we're going to dive into that in just a second. So yeah, um, last week, like I said, had the privilege of being in 103 degree weather <laughs> down in Laredo. And, uh, and next week, I have the privilege of going to Ohio and ministering at a church as they celebrate um, their 62nd anniversary of their church and being a part of an amazing weekend, um, being there and uh, just and all that God has done and all that he's doing and that the best is yet to come. And, um, and then by the grace of God, two weeks after that, I'll be in Brazil. And so um, I've, I've, I, um, I've had a really fun Last few weeks, um, two weeks, two weekends ago, I was with um, Leif and Paul um, over in uh, the Denver area, just um, watching the Spirit of God fall on us in meetings, and it just, um, I won't get into all the details, I'll just say over the last few weeks, I've had tons of opportunity to uh, lay hands on a lot of people, but as much as I love the ministry of laying on of hands, I'm so thankful to be here to share some of the word this morning. How many love both word and spirit? How many understand we have to have a, a really good diet of both? Okay, that uh, we need to be established in the truth of his word, no matter what we do or don't feel. But then as we get established in his word, that word should lead us into experiences. And those experiences are rooted on the foundation of the word. And so the word and spirit, how many understand that the same Holy Spirit who wrote the Bible, okay, the same Holy Spirit who anointed men of God of old to write down scriptures, the same Holy Spirit that wants to fill us and then flow through us today. So there's no contradiction in that. So the Holy Spirit who lives within us today is the same Holy Spirit who wrote the book. And he wants to make his book alive to us. So, by the grace of God, I want to look at a few passages of Scripture, and uh, let's just welcome him to make his word alive to us, to transcend the, the, the words of a mere man and make it alive. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you are the author of this book, and the author of this book now is in our midst. You are right here with us. And you indwell each believer. The Holy Spirit, would you come and illumine it, Lord? Would you make it so alive? Open the eyes of our understanding. Make it so real to us. We thank you, Jesus, for the finished work of the cross. We thank you for your sacrifice. And we thank you that, Lord, we never have to tire of celebrating your death, burial, and resurrection. In Jesus' name. Amen. So um, my initials are CO, and that's what we want to talk about this morning. CO. We'll get, we'll get to that in a second. Okay, 1 Corinthians 6.17. 1 Corinthians 6.17 says this. I'm reading out of the ESV. Um, and... Uh, But he who is joined to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. Whoever is united with the Lord becomes one spirit with him. It's, Paul is speaking of our union with the Lord Jesus Christ. And I've been hammering on this over the last few months, and I can't help it. 
It's just the, been the meditation of my heart. When I get before the Lord and when I get into his word, this is what he's ministering to me. And I think the majority of us as evangelicals, we might be able to read a scripture like that from time to time. And we might have a basic concept of that, but we really don't fully understand it. And I believe by the grace of God that the power of the Holy Spirit wants to take us into a deeper understanding of our union with the Lord, okay? And so as, as really good Pentecostals, as crazy charismatic, I mean, as balanced charismatics as we are, um, man, I love the moving of the Holy Spirit. And I think here in a little bit, we're going to have a few testimonies, okay, uh, about things God has done. And I love the moving and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. But how many understand that the Holy Spirit and the presence of God in our lives is so much more than what he does or doesn't do in a sanctuary on a Sunday morning? You and I live in union with him. We've been made one in spirit with him. Here's one of the things I love about this passage. Paul doesn't say that whoever's united with the Lord is one with him in spirit as long as he attends church four times a week. A church attendance is good. Thank you for coming out. I'm glad you're here. But... He doesn't say that. And he doesn't say whoever's united with the Lord is one with him in spirit as long as you get some Holy Ghost goosebumps. No, he just says you're one with him in spirit. And along with that, he doesn't say that you are one with him in spirit as long as you're doing religious activities. But boy, the moment you got to do something secular, you know, like go to work or take care of your house, then the Lord leaves and he waits to come back until you fast and pray. No, you've been united with him, one in spirit. How many, how many know that Paul says in Galatians 2.20, I've been crucified with Christ, therefore I no longer live, but Christ now lives within me. The life I live in the body I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. You know that passage? See, my problem was, was for years, this is my honest confession, that for years I would read that passage of scripture and I viewed it as Paul is saying, I finally reached this great spiritual attainment and now I can experientially say because I've disciplined myself and I've overcome the flesh and I've overcome sinful habits that I, Paul, can finally say I'm crucified with Christ. Now, Paul was an amazing, great man of God, powerfully used by God, and I, I believe he walked in the Spirit. He wrote, you know, in Scripture about walking in the Spirit. He did all that, and there was an experience that he had, but I've come to realize in reading the rest of Scripture, Paul was not just talking about his own personal experience. He was talking about the reality that you and I have as believers, and again, I'm speaking to believers. If you don't know Jesus, and you're here this morning, today would be a great day to give your life to Jesus Christ. But for those of us who are in Christ, Paul is describing this new covenant reality that each of us have, whether we know it or not. Because I will tell you, the, the day that I read that passage that I just read a moment ago from 1 Corinthians, I was shocked. I was raised as a good evangelical. I was baptized in the Holy Spirit when I was a, a little kid. I'm familiar with the gifts of the Spirit. But I'm reading that and I'm like, What? That we're one in spirit? I never heard language like that growing up in church. I would hear about moves of God. I would hear about the spirit of God moving. I heard about the gospel, what Jesus did historically a long time ago. And then we would use this phrase like, 
Ask Jesus into your heart. Well, what does that mean? I don't know exactly. Um, maybe like there's a part of Jesus that's kind of over here by maybe my kidneys or, or maybe his, I mean, I guess we're the temple of the Holy Spirit. I don't really know what that means. Maybe I got a little bit of the Holy Spirit in my toe. I'm, I'm not sure exactly. But here Paul says that we're one with him in spirit. That's beyond a touch. It's beyond a feeling that we're one with him in spirit. And so then Paul says in Galatians 2.20, I've been crucified with Christ, therefore I no longer live. Christ now lives within me. He is saying this is our privileged position as all of us as new covenant believers. And whether you know it or not, you've been crucified with Christ. Whether you feel it or not, you've been crucified with Christ. And if that's true, how many of you know that the quicker you realize that, the better off you'll be? Because I'm afraid sometimes we spend a lot of effort and energy for years trying to attain something that God's already given to us. So when you read, and we don't have time to go into all these scriptures, but when you read scripture, so often the, writing, the writers of the New Testament, and especially Paul, he will describe to us who we are, our mystical union with Christ. And I say mystical simply because it is a mystery. I don't fully comprehend it. But that we are united with Christ. And then he addresses our behavior. How many understand that our behavior is really important? Like husbands, love your wives. Children, obey your parents. Practical stuff like that. Like our obedience and our behavior is super important. But he puts things in order and establishes first, this is who you are. Therefore, act like this. And when we flip that around, and all of us in our humanity have a tendency to do that, we flip that around and go, well, if I try really hard, then maybe I can become something. If I try really hard, maybe then I can be considered crucified with Christ. And Paul just flat out says, no, this is an established fact. You are crucified with Christ. You've been made one with him. And when Jesus was crucified, you were crucified as well. So his crucifixion becomes your crucifixion. You've been co-crucified. C-O. Christopher Olsen. Co. Co-crucified. You have been crucified with him. We'll read a, a few other uh, passages of scripture. And, um, let's go to Ephesians 1. And uh, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna belabor this just because it's one of my favorite passages to speak on over the last few years, and um, I love it so much. Um, but we'll just glance at it real quick. Ephesians one four. Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before in love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons. Okay that you and I were chosen by God the Father in Christ before the creation of the world. You were chosen in Christ before the creation of the world. And then when you, you see this progression that we were chosen in Christ by the Father before the creation of the world, before you could ever sin, before you could ever do anything good, before you could ever screw up, mess up, make a mistake, before you could ever fail or do anything impressive, you were chosen by God the Father. And then it says that you were crucified with Christ. Okay, Paul says that in Galatians 
2. Now go over to uh, Romans 6. Romans 6. And this is where he speaks a whole lot of our union with Christ. So, let's take a look at Romans 6. Go to verse 4. We were buried with him by baptism into death. Who's he writing to? Is he writing to believers? Is that you and I? Oh, thank you so much. How many of you are believers here this morning? Did anybody wake up this morning and thought, I just feel like I've been buried with Christ. I feel that right now. How many of us thought, I just feel like I need some coffee. <laughs> baptize me in coffee. I need some caffeine, bless God. Hallelujah, brother. I'm just baptize me in caffeine. Okay. So you might not feel like you've been buried with Christ, but I'm telling you, if you've been born again, if you have repented of your sin and put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and you've been born again by the Spirit of God, he now lives within you, in, from your union with Christ, you were chosen by God the Father in Christ before the creation of the world and you were crucified with Christ. Okay, how many of you remember the old song, when he was on the cross, you were on his mind. That's nice. I don't disagree with it. I think that's probably accurate. That we were probably the joy set before him. Okay? And it sounds beautiful and poetic. And I'm not saying it's not true. I'm just saying I think there's a whole lot more to it than that. Because according to scripture, it was not just you were on his mind. You were literally in him being crucified with him. So you weren't just on his mind like, oh, he's up there just kind of thinking about you a little bit. No, somehow, some way in the sovereign economy of God's, the spirit realm, God placed you in Christ so that that old man, that nature, that sinful uh, predisposition was nailed to the cross with Christ. And then we just read here, in verse 4, it says, we were buried with him. Well, actually, I just, yeah. Verse 4, we were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death. You were buried with Christ. So you were chosen by God the Father in Christ, and you were co-crucified, and you were co-buried. What happened to him happened to you. Now, let me ask you this. Oh, there's just... <laughs> There's so much good scripture here. Um, real quick, go over to Colossians 2. Colossians 2. Colossians 2, go to verse 12. Go to verse 12. Colossians verse 12. Uh, verse 12. Chapter 2, verse 12. Having been buried with him in baptism... Paul is writing to the Colossians, the, 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 the believers there. He's writing to them and he's telling them, he's not saying this is something you strive for to try to attain to a certain spiritual level to make it happen. He says, this is established reality, historical fact in the spirit that Paul the apostle, Paul the apostle was anointed by the spirit of God to teach us some of what Jesus accomplished for at the cross in our new identity in Christ. And this is what he says in Colossians chapter 2, verse 12. Having been buried with him in baptism. 
that when Jesus was crucified, you were crucified with him. When he was buried, you were buried with him. Now, Allie, the wonderful servant of God. By the way, thank you, worship team, for leading worship. That was great. Thank you, every one of you. I was going to try to name all of their names, and I thought, I'm not even going to try to get into that. But thank you, worship team. Thank you for leading. Well, so Allie, wonderful servant of God, precious daughter of the Most High, she brought me this bottle of water. Now, if I wanted to take this bottle of water and put some coffee in it, take off the cap, put coffee in it, mix it all up, and put the cap back on, and let's say I could even reseal it. We'll use a biblical term like Paul used in Ephesians that you were sealed. Say we could reseal it, okay? Could I just easily go in there and say, hey, I'm going to take the coffee out of the, the, the water now. Could I just reach my hand in there? I think I'll just remove the coffee. Or is it intertwined? Is it like really mixed in? The coffee and the water become one. They've become entrelazado. I can't, I don't know. That's the word that comes to my mind. So they become, oh, there we go, interwoven. They become interwoven, okay? So now, if I take this bottle of water, and how many understand that the, this water is in the bottle? I know this is really profound, right? My, my wife is super impressed right now. She's like, wow, this is deep. Huh? Honey, this is really good. Keep going, honey. This is, this is profound. Okay. The water is in the bottle. Okay? That, so, if I want to take, if I set the bottle down here, can I now say, oh, well, the bottle's down there, but I want to put the, the water over here. How many understand that where the bottle is is where the water's at? So if I want to take the bottle now and I say, I'm going to put the bottle over here, can I go, well, I think I want to keep water over here. Or is it true that everywhere the bottle goes, the water goes with it? Why is that? Because the water is in the bottle. One of Paul's most common phrases to describe us as believers over and over again is to say we are in Christ. So let me ask you this. If I were to put this bottle on a cross, where would the water be? It would go with it. It would be on a cross. And if I wanted to bury this bottle of water, and I buried the bottle, where would the water go? I know this is really deep. I apologize for how confusing this is and how profound. But the water, if it's in the bottle, would go with it. And if this bottle was raised from the dead, what would come up with it? Water. Are you in Christ? Even more than water is within this bottle, are you in Christ? So if you're, so then we have to look at it in terms of this. If I'm in Christ and I was chosen in Christ before the creation of the world, even though I wasn't born until 19, whatever, fill in the blank, that long after, well, at least suffice to say, long after Jesus was <laughs> crucified at the cross, 
But nonetheless, in God's timetable, when he says in Ephesians 1 that we were chosen in Christ before the creation of the world, that somehow I was chosen in Christ. And so even though I have no cognizant memory of being at Calvary, but Paul tells me in the word of God that when Jesus was on the cross, I was co-crucified. Why? Because I was in Christ. And whatever you do with the bottle is what you do with the water. And whatever you do with Jesus, that's been done to you. That's what Paul is teaching us through Romans and Ephesians and Colossians and over and over and over again, that what happened to Jesus is what happened to you. All right, again, I apologize for making this too deep and too complicated, but let me just ask you this. Was Jesus crucified? Then what happened to you? Okay, was Jesus buried? Then what happened to you? And did Jesus raise from the dead? Then what happened to you? Happy Easter! Happy Easter! This is what's amazing about it, is that, I, and, and I wasn't here, so I don't know what was shared or how it was communicated last week, but I think typically in America, when we, when we think about Easter, we celebrate, we go, yay, Jesus rose from the dead, and we get excited, maybe get a little nostalgic, have some emotion, sing some upbeat songs, and celebrate the resurrection in church on Sunday, and go, yay, he rose from the dead. But then here's the rest of my daily practical life, and I don't know what that means for me. And I mean, I'm glad Jesus rose from the dead, but meanwhile, I feel stuck. And we walk out of church and we walk back to our normal life and we feel stuck. When the reality is, we not only get to celebrate Jesus' resurrection, but because of our union with him, we are really celebrating our resurrection with Christ. See, because of our divine union, we can say things like, I know typically we say things like, it's not about me, it's all about Jesus. And I get it, and that's true. We should be centered on Jesus, worshiping Jesus. It's not about our self-interest and our desires, right? But on the other hand, because I've been adopted by God the Father and I've been placed in Christ, and because of my union with Christ, I can no longer just say, well, it's only about him, not about me. I now have to say it's about we. Because he and I are one. And what happened to Jesus happened to me. When he was crucified, I was crucified with him. When he was buried, I was buried with him. And now that he is resurrected, his resurrection becomes my resurrection. And so whatever I'm going to face when the service is over, whatever challenges I got to face in my daily life, then I want to view it through that lens. That this is established fact, no matter what I felt or didn't feel in the church service, whether I had goosebumps or not, whether I felt the anointing or not, whether somebody gave me a prophetic word or not, whether I'm still battling pain or sickness in my body, no matter what's going on, I want to face it through this lens. This victorious Christ has made me victorious with his victory. His resurrection is my resurrection. And the beautiful part is that what was crucified to the cross was not the person that God ultimately truly made me to be. The person that was crucified to the cross was my old man, my old nature, my old identity. The man that was crucified with Christ was the selfish, arrogant, unbelieving sinner who was bent on rebellion toward a holy God. That person was crucified with Christ. So then who came up out of the grave? 
If he was nailed to the cross, then who came up out of the grave? Oh, a victorious, glorious son. One who's been washed and clean, given a new nature. One whose default position is one of holiness and righteousness. That is you and I. That's who came up out of the grave. If you've been united with Christ, the one who went to the cross was the old, lustful, arrogant, self-centered, wounded, orphan-thinking, in-it-for-me person. That sinner that I was was crucified with Christ. And now who comes up out of the grave? One conformed to the image of Jesus. One who looks like Papa. One who looks like the Father. Made clean and brand new. See, no matter what you feel or don't feel, that's our reality. And I believe the Holy Spirit wants to fully convince us of that. So he pulls us into the point that we're fully convinced and we get to manifest that reality. We get to live in the fullness of that. Now, here's one of the things. When we talk about, I, I, I've, heard, I've heard people quote a passage of scripture like this, okay? That, um, well, hey, you gotta be careful because the heart is deceitfully wicked above all things. Okay, we know it says that in the Old Testament. It says that under the Old Covenant. And how many understand that before you got saved, that was absolutely true of you? That's what we inherited, not from the second Adam, Jesus. We inherited that from, our, from the first Adam, our great-great-great-grandfather, the 98th power. That's not a precise mathematical thing, I'm just guessing, but to our first grandparents, okay? That's what we inherited from Adam. The heart is deceitful above all things. It's, it's wicked. Who can know it? And we can still be deceived as human beings, even born again. We can be deceived. But here's the thing. I can, I've heard people say that in such a way as to make it sound as if all of us, as born again, blood-washed, new covenant believers, are still wicked to the core. But I have, to, I have to take that passage and go, okay, that was in the old covenant, but now I look at the new covenant, and what does Jesus say? He says, you must be born again. And so a lot of us, we, understand, we look at that term and go, born again believer. And I'm afraid some of us kind of view it through the lens of, well, I, I made a lot of mistakes, but I got a fresh start. That's not what born again means. See, because... The reason why you made so many mistakes, the reason why you screwed up so much, the reason why you kept sinning is because you had a sinful nature. Your nature determined what you produced. You were a sinner by nature, therefore you sinned very easily. Anybody agree with me? Do we have any former sinners here this morning? Okay. So it came very easy because it was by our nature. And if all you did was got a, quote, fresh start, whew, but you kept the same nature, what are you going to keep doing? You might get a fresh start, but you're going to keep repeating the same stuff you did in the past because you got the same nature. The glory of being born again is not merely, I get a fresh start. 
It is I receive a new nature. The old nature was crucified with Christ and I'm now given a new nature that is made of the image and likeness of God in Christ Jesus. This is my new nature. So when it says born again, you must be born again. A lot of passages translate it as being born again from above. That I'm the, the, the earthbound nature that we inherited from Adam, its propensity is for selfishness over and over and over again. The reason why you sin is because you're a, you're a sinner by nature. But then you get born again and you've been given the spirit of righteousness. You've been given the spirit of Christ on the inside. You've been made new. You've been born again from above. You now receive a heavenly nature. This is your new nature and that's gonna come out in who you are and what you do. I can't say that my heart is wicked. Am I, am I capable of being deceived and messing up? Yes. How many have ever noticed, even since you became a Christian, you've done stupid things and you got off track and you've been deceived? Okay. But that doesn't mean that you're, the core of who you are is wicked. So when Paul says that we've been made new creations or new creatures in Christ Jesus. It's a whole new person. It makes no sense to say, I asked Jesus into my heart and he gave me a new heart and he made me a new creation, but the heart of man is still wicked and so I'm still wicked. No! Is Jesus pure and clean? Who's living on the inside of you? That's the lens through which I want to view life out of my union with him, that where, what happened to Jesus is what happened to me. You've been resurrected with Christ. You've been given a new nature. You and I have the privilege of living out of our union with Christ. One of the things I love about that, and again, I'll say it, is that it's not dependent on your feelings or emotions. I get to choose when I wake up in the morning and say, Father, I thank you that your spirit lives inside of me. And sometimes I have to do that jet lagged at 3 a.m. in some hotel, in another hotel room where I'm waiting. I got to get to the airport and I got to get up at 3 a.m. And I don't, I'm just out of it. But I, Holy Spirit, I thank you that you live inside of me. So here's the deal. A lot of us, and I'm, I'm just saying, typically, I think as the American evangelical church, when we think of the gospel, we think of justification, the forgiveness of sins. How many know that's incredibly important? Like if it wasn't for that, none of us would be here. <laughs> We'd be dead men. Thankfully, Jesus went to the cross and shed his precious blood. The Lamb of God, spotless Lamb of God, gave his blood so that you and I could receive the forgiveness of sins. And we should all be forever grateful for that. I think the problem is we finish there. What is God's goal in all of that? Thank God that he went to the cross. Thank God for the forgiveness of sins. But the end of it is not justification. Because the goal of the new covenant, well, let me ask you this. What's the, what's the goal of a covenant? It's union. It's union. The goal of a covenant is union. So the goal of the new covenant is our union with God, that we've been reconciled back to God. We've been reconciled back to the Father. We've been restored in right relationship and intimacy with him. 
So all of that justification and him going to the cross and shedding his blood to get the sin out of the way so our sins could be forgiven, it was not the end in of itself. It was a means to an end so we could be restored back to oneness with him. I got news for you. God's biggest goal for your life is not just that you're forgiven. Because I know a whole lot of people, and I've been there myself, I'm like, I'm forgiven. I'm not free, but I'm forgiven. Hallelujah, Sunday, I'm, I'm forgiven. But man, there's areas in my life where I'm not free. And I don't feel God, and I don't sense God, and I don't hear God. And the whole time, not living from an understanding of my union with Christ. And making it all about me and my performance rather than understanding, wow, I've been grafted in. How many of Jesus said in John 15, he's the, he is the vine and we're the branches. It's not always easy to look at a, a, a branch and a vine and know where one starts and one ends because they've been made one. You and I are in Christ. We have union with Christ. So the goal of covenant is not merely forgiveness. It's union. Let me put it this way. If I could back up a few years. So in October, my wife and I will be celebrating 24 years of blissful marriage. It's been blissful for me anyways. I hope she could say the same, but it's been blissful for me. But okay, so we go back to that day. I get married. Woo, everybody comes together. We're gonna have this marriage ceremony and we say I do and it's amazing. All the family and friends are gathered and we celebrate. Yay. And then I go around and I tell people, man, oh, finally I'm no longer single. Okay. Hey, hey, thanks for coming to the wedding, man. I'm so glad I'm no longer single. Okay. Praise God, I'm done with singleness. Wow, no longer single. Man, I used to be single. That, I did not like having the status of being single, but now I'm no longer single. A lot of people be looking at me like, what are you, that's kind of an odd response. You just married your beautiful bride and now you're, you're saying you're excited about not being single? That's kind of weird. <laughs> You'd all think I'm crazy. And such assertions would be unflattering at best, and at worst would be painfully insulting to my beautiful bride. Like, the goal of marriage is not just so you can not be single. The goal of marriage is union. What is a marriage covenant? The goal of covenant is union. You look at that through the Old Testament over and over and over again. One little example from the Old Testament, okay, would be a tribe comes in and says, hey, we want to make covenant with you. So what would some of that covenant look like? It would be like, okay, your enemies are now my enemies, your friends are now my friends. Whoever's connected with you, whatever favor you have, now we share the same favor. We're going we're gonna to have our groups intertwined. We're going to become one. 
our resources become your resources. Whatever troubles you have, now we're gonna, we're gonna fight with you to overcome. We are gonna have a mutual exchange. We are gonna become one through this covenant. And now in the new covenant, you and I become one with a holy God in Christ Jesus. The new covenant, the goal was not just to forgive you of your sins, as powerfully important as that is. It was a glorious means to an end so that you and I could come into union with God. Perhaps one of the reasons why we don't always see it that way, and I'm just a little more, um, I've noticed that more. Um, perhaps, well, you could um, see the same thing. But so often when I read in Spanish, and I think the Portuguese is probably the same, but definitely in, in Spanish, where a lot of times where we have it translated in English about us being in Christ, they'll translate it union. Because that's what Paul's talking about. Our union with Christ. That the goal of the new covenant is not to just get us forgiven. It's to get us restored back into oneness with him. So it would be crazy for me to just celebrate the fact that I'm no longer single. Because the fact that I'm no longer single, that really has nothing. That, that, that's just a little byproduct of it. The real goal is union with my wife. The her and I are now one. We're going to do life together. We're going to share everything together. That's the goal. And that is the privileged position that you and all, all of us have. We've been made one with the resurrected Savior. So that his death becomes our death. His burial becomes our burial. His resurrection becomes our resurrection. He is really, really good. I want, to I want to wrap this up with this, this thought, and then we're going to have a couple of testimonies. When Jesus said, you must be born again from above, okay, that we receive a heavenly nature, and Peter says that we've been made partakers of the divine nature, okay? Jesus said, you must be born again from above. Paul says we've been chosen in Christ before the creation of the world. Then he goes on to say in Ephesians 2 that we are now seated with Christ in heavenly places. Okay. Um, that really he is redefining for us our lives. You see, I think most of us when we live a life of sin, the enemy wants to come in and he wants to define us according to that sin. And say, this is what you've done, so this is who you are and this is who you will always be. The Holy Spirit will convict us of something we do and say, that's not right. That is not in accordance with your new nature. You need to confess that, you need to repent of that, you need to change your habits. And that's a good thing. How many are thankful for the conviction of the Holy Spirit? But the slimy condemnation of the enemy to shame us, he, he, he says, oh, 
It's not just that what you did was wrong, who you are is wrong, and you cannot change. You'll always be a failure, you'll always be a sinner. You, God might forgive you, and you might barely get through the pearly gates by the skin of your teeth, but I tell you what, you're a failure, you always have been, and you always will be. You're never gonna get it right, and you'll keep screwing up in this area, and he blasts us with shame. But what we have in scripture is that we were born again from above, chosen in Christ. You were born in glory. Paul also says in Romans 8 that we are destined for glory. Throughout Romans, this theme of we're destined for glory. Okay? We're gonna we are gonna live in the glory of God forever and ever and ever. Nine billion years from now, we're gonna live in the glory of God. No matter who's president in the White House, no matter what happens with the price of gas, no matter what happens with wars and rumors of wars, no matter what happens with our economy or inflation, you and I are going to reign with Christ forever and ever and ever. And whatever temporary little challenges that don't feel little in the moment, but they, they feel big to us, whatever challenges we face, they're very temporary compared to eternity. Paul said these light and momentary afflictions. And Paul was like beaten, shipwrecked, stripped naked, stoned, beaten with rods, left for dead. That was Paul. And he said light and momentary. So we were chosen here in glory. We're headed for a glory for all of eternity. And I want to tell you something. Your life of sin was just a temporary detour between glory. You were birthed in glory you're destined for glory. And any sin you've battled is just a temporary detour. The enemy wants to attach shame to it and say that is who you are. Rather than going, it is a temporary struggle that does not define me. Any battle I face is temporary. But it doesn't define me. Like I want to face it for what it, I don't want to, I don't want to, I, I don't want to um, hide my head in the sand and pretend there's not a real battle there. There is. There's real issues all of us are facing. Am I right? There's real challenges that we have. But I want to see it through the lens of scripture. And from what I read in scripture, it's we were born in glory and we're destined for glory. And we've been put in Christ and are out of our union in Christ. Then I have to look at any sin we've ever dealt with was just a temporary detour on our path to greater glory. So when Jesus, what he accomplishes for us at the cross is not just that he gives us hope for our future, which is awesome. I love it. Hope for all of eternity. And hopefully you have hope for your future on earth too as well. But not only that, he goes back and he redefines your past. To me, that's amazing. Because he says that you've been chosen by the Father before the creation of the world. Then I have to look at that and say there's not been one moment of my existence when I've not been wanted and loved by a perfect father. Before I could ever be rejected by anybody, I was perfectly accepted by the Father in Christ. These are mysteries I don't fully comprehend, but I know that before I ever sinned, the Father loved me. Before I could ever screw up, before I could ever do anything good or bad, the Father wanted me. That's who he is, and that's who I am to him. And then you got this amazing verse in Romans 8.28 that says, God is working quite a few things, except for the really complicated ones that he can't deal with, for your benefit. Is that what he says? God says, Paul says, God is working all things 
all things. That includes my past. That includes every addiction I've ever dealt with. That includes every lie I've ever believed, any abuse I've ever been through, any abuse I've ever given to other people. That includes all the sin that ever brought shame into my life. Does it include that? Is God using that to justify our sin? Is Paul saying that to justify our sin? No. It's just all is all. So he's redeeming everything. So the cross not only gives us hope for a future, it even takes us backward. It goes back in time and redeems every wrong thing that has ever been in your life. And now it becomes a platform for his glory. And the things that you used to once hide in shame, now you can stand boldly and say, this is who my God is. He redeemed me. He redeemed me. I was bound, but now I'm free. This is who I am. The, the power of the cross, what Jesus did, works backward and forward. It redefines it all for us because of our union with Christ Jesus. You've been chosen with Christ, co-crucified, co-buried, co-resurrected. And then Paul says in Ephesians 2, we are now seated with Christ in heavenly places. Here's the good news. This is true of every believer in Christ Jesus, whether you feel it or not. This is just true. So, please bear with me for a moment and just say this with me. Father, I thank you that I was chosen in Christ before the creation of the world. I was co-crucified crucified with Christ, buried with Christ, resurrected with Christ, and ascended with Christ, now seated with Christ in heavenly places. This is my new reality. Your resurrection is my resurrection. Thank you that I live in union with you. Thank you, Jesus, for the cross. That your victory is my victory. Now, I just bless you to believe it. All right. The two dear sisters who I spoke with, uh, Liz and Shelly, if you two could make your way up here. I just want to um, wrap this up with a couple of quick testimonies. Um, the last couple times I've spoken here... Um, over at, I don't know, the first part of this year, things have gotten a little wild at the end. Uh, no fault of my own. That's the Holy Spirit's doing, okay? He, he's, he gets to do what he wants. But it's gotten a little wild. And here's the thing. Sometimes what can happen is those of us who are on the stage and we have a mic in our hand, um, we can say things that we perceive God's doing in the room or doing in the atmosphere, and I don't know what your take is on it, but I think if we don't hear the follow-up stories, we can start to wonder, like, well, what, what really happened in that meeting? Or you're in a meeting and you're like, oh, well, that was pretty good until the person in the seat next to me started getting kind of weird. Like, I don't get that. Like, I mean, I like the Bible, but, you know, that other stuff, I'm not, I didn't really sign up for that. I'm not sure. And you can kind of wonder, like, what's going on? Okay. 
Anybody tracking with what I'm saying? Okay. And so I think sometimes it's good to hear what God has done. So, Shelly, if you would start and share with us what God did. Good morning, Heartland. Um, so the last time Brother Christopher was here, I had an amazing experience from God. So first I want to say all the glory to God, and God is so good. We serve an awesome God. So for about the last six months, my uh, right foot, I have a bunion on it, had, I'll say, because I don't have it anymore. Um, so I work 12-hour shifts at my job, and I'm on my feet. I don't sit down. So I work in a warehouse, but I'm constantly on my feet. And there were times when I would come home from work limping, and I would just have this electricity shooting through my foot, and the next morning it would be swollen, so, so painful. Um, I had had referral to a podiatrist, to an orthopedic podiatrist, and I was getting ready to go to that appointment the following Monday, and this was Sunday that I was here, and glory to God, he moved through Christopher, because when Christopher prayed for me, I was healed. I was healed, and I remember that day, and many of you may remember when I was sitting right where I normally sit, before he had the altar call for healing, I couldn't quit laughing, this joy, because he was talking about, you know, here, you know, take it, take the joy, and I laughed for 25 minutes sitting in that chair. Now, I've experienced joy before, but nothing like that. I mean, it was like I could not stop laughing. And then he asked for us to come up, and I didn't. As I'm standing right up here, right here, I just feel like I'm standing beside a mountain that's got a waterfall. And just this cool rain. I mean, I felt this cool raining of God on me. And he come down, and I'm getting the bumps right now like I did. It's so cool. But when he came down, and he touched me, and he asked me, and I told him, and it was gone. And so I called and I canceled that, that Monday appointment. And they said, would you like to re reschedule? And I'm like, everything in my carnal body, you know, th this earth vessel said, yes, reschedule. But on the inside, he's like, no. So I rescheduled. <laughs> and, <laughs> and so then when the two weeks came up, you know, I called them back. I said, I don't need this appointment. And they said, do you need to make, would you like to reschedule? And I said, no, I'm good. Thanks. So, God is good. Would you be willing to just... So, one of the things I remember uh, about that morning was I just, I could feel, and, and for those of you who don't understand, I'm sorry, I don't know how to explain it any better, but I could feel like the reign of God, like the presence of God just reigning on people. And so I remember I, I declared that, and I, just, I do it by faith because it's what I perceive in the Spirit. It's not like, I'm not, no one has come to me yet and said, I felt physical rain. That can happen, but I've just, it's never happened with me. Um, but I didn't see it in the natural. I didn't have a vision. I could just perceive it in the spirit. I just said, the spirit of God, the presence of God is raining on some of you. And as soon as I did, she looked up, she was standing right there, and Shelly said, I feel that. Yeah. It was awesome. And God has a lot more. So go ahead and tell us. All right, so I'll, I have, have to share a little of the backstory. I'll keep it brief, though. Um, so I have been facing um, mental, emotional 
issues for most of my life. Um, I've been dealing with anxiety and worry and fear probably since I was five years old. Um, on and off. It hasn't been constant. Um, and in, when I was in college, I was very depressed. And the Lord's set me free, and, and I've had freedom in different ways throughout my life. And, um, but especially this last couple years with the pandemic, it was, it's been really awful. Um, and in fact, about a year ago, I thought I was having a heart attack because it was just that intense, I had like an anxiety attack. Um, and so um, I was in the last, I'd say two and a half months ago, I was in like the one of the darkest places I've been in my life. And I thought, this is not going to get any better. Like I went to a therapist, she diagnosed me with OCD, um, general anxiety disorder, somatic symptoms. So it, it was affecting migraines and digestion and all these other things in my body and also depression. And so um, I was just like, I don't think I've tried. I've done everything. I've done everything I can think of. Like, I'm probably not ever going to get any better. I was thinking about quitting my job, like moving back home. Like my mom was worried that I was going to need to go to a facility. Like it was, it was intense. And um, so I started going to my therapist, and I started fasting, actually. I was fasting um, all media. And that was, like, the first few days of the fast was awful because um, I was kind of um, coping in that way, just, like, drowning it out through movies and videos. And um, so I got to this point where I'm like, okay, Jesus, I need something. And, like, the Thursday before that amazing uh, message I had this song that the, my mom sent me, and it was, uh, you can't tell me he can't do it. And um, I just started reminding myself of my testimonies and all the things that Lord has done in my life and through me and in me. I just started writing them out. And I'm like, okay, God, like, if you can heal my mom from a cyst, and you can, you can heal the, the hole in my eardrum when I was a child, and it, you can, like, raise a girl in Africa from her deathbed, like, you can take care of anxiety. You can take care of OCD. Like all the, this, all it felt so much smaller at that point. And so I had this breakthrough, but it wasn't finished yet. And then um, I came on Sunday and I had a lady pray for me before this church service started. And that was amazing. And, and then, you know, Pastor Christopher's preaching and that whole part where we started laughing. I, I don't know if you all know me, but I, I was laughing like a hyena. <laughs> it was like, like I mean, it's, it was not pretty. <laughs> but, and there's actually a, a couple next to me, and they're looking at me like, what is wrong with her? And I, it made me laugh more. I was like, you don't get it. Ha, ha, ha. But um, anyway, so I, I started having some breakthrough at the beginning. And then um, Pastor Christopher said, if anybody feels stuck, um, just come forward or have, need healing in their body. So I was like, yes. So I come forward and then he's, he started like calling things out. He's like, if you um, have, you, you know, do you have arthritis in your body? I'm like, yeah, I got arthritis. He's like, do you have um, any uh, digestion problems? I'm like, yeah, that's me. He's like, do you have anxiety in the pit of your stomach like a ball? And I was like, yes, you know, <laughs> and I was like, he's like, and he's like, you'll be free, you know, and I just started like, pr like, I just started praying and crying, and I just, I actually literally had like a voice, deep voice come out of me, you know, and it was just like deliverance right there on the, on the carpet, and yeah, 
Yeah. So, and I just, I also want to say, like, I still, like, I think the anxiety is completely gone. The de depression is completely gone. I'm still facing some of the OCD, and I'm, you know, with God, with my therapist and all that. We're still walking through that. So it's not 100%, but I want to give God glory. And, you know, I want you all to know, too, that even if God does something amazing and it's not 100%, it's still valuable and important, and he did it, and he's going to keep doing it. Stay, stay up here with me. Roger, come here. Roger, come up here and join me. I want you to go ahead and stand. And here's the thing. Okay, she mentioned three different things. She mentioned depression, she mentioned anxiety, and she mentioned OCD. Okay, God's still dealing with the OCD. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. No more depression, no more anxiety. That's awesome. That's awesome. So here's the thing. Out of our union with God... His victory becomes our victory, and we get to apply that to every area of our life. Okay? We've been resurrected with him. His resurrection is now our resurrection. And whatever challenges that are, we're still facing, she just mentioned one, and all of us have different challenges, I want us to face those challenges out of the reality of our union with Christ. Chosen co-crucified, co-buried, co-resurrected, co-ascended, and seated with Christ in heavenly places. This is our privileged position. He's a good God. He's a God who will heal bunions and he'll set people free from anxiety. He's that good. I want you to just lift your hands to him right now. Holy Spirit, we thank you Lord, we honor the blood of Jesus. We thank you for the victory of the cross. We thank you for your shed blood at Calvary so that we could live in the reality of the new covenant. And covenant produces union. And from covenant, you say, now, your enemies are my enemies. I'm going to fight for you. And you are going to fight out of a position of oneness with me. You're not going to just fight for victory. You're going to fight from victory. I declare that over every one of you right now. As you step into this new week, no matter what's going on, I bless you right now to recognize that you fight from victory. The perfect victory that he purchased for you at the cross. Now, Holy Spirit, we just welcome you. We welcome you. Lord, I thank you. I thank you. I thank you. For your healing presence. I thank you for your anointing. I thank you that the veil was ripped in two and that we get to come and live in your presence. And you've taken up residence within us. Thank you. Lord, I thank you that every bit of laughter that's been talked about this morning was not some hyped up thing it was not just something emotional 
but it's the reality of the inbreaking of the kingdom of God. When she just mentioned about how I, I, I want to clarify, when she, when she said how I asked that, I wasn't interviewing her. I didn't even lay hands on Liz. I was just standing up here and I was declaring things over the place and just saying, if you have this, if you have this, come up front. And she came. I didn't lay hands on her, okay? This is all about, <laughs> he's really good, okay? And so with your eyes closed, I just want to ask, I feel like there's somebody who relates to what she said when I gave that word about you feel something like knotted up in your stomach. And it might not be anxiety the exact same way that she's dealt with it, but there's somebody, I, I feel like there's somebody who can relate to that. It's like, it's not just like you were bothered momentarily here or there, but it's like something has been a knot in your stomach that has brought, torment might be a, a, a strong word, but it has been persistent with you. If, you. if you identify with that right now, with what, when she mentioned that about uh, what she felt in her stomach, I'm just gonna ask you to come up front and I'm gonna ask you to just come and stand under that waterfall of his presence like we just described. If that's you, if you can relate to that, Anybody else? Holy Spirit. Yeah, just come and stand in his presence. Right now, I just say that that torment in your mind and in your belly is not your inheritance. Jesus came to pay a perfect price for your freedom. Thanks for listening to our podcast. If you'd like to help more people hear this message, you can get the word out by subscribing and sharing it on social media. If you'd like to support the ministries of Heartland Church, you can do so at heartlandchurchonline.com give.